as we venture into the murky waters of everything you've been told never to bring up at holiday dinner. You'll meet a guy, someone you can trust, a battle-tested, common-sense leader who knows that an extra pair of dry socks just might save your life. That wise old sage has arrived, and he is shouting the Schmidt Show battle cry! Schmidt Heads Unite! Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. I suppose it all depends on where you are and what time of the day it is when you're listening to this. If you are listening uh, live in the United States, it's morning. Um, if you're listening in Australia, uh, I'm assuming it's going to be evening. Um, I'm not sure what the actual time chain. I think it's like 20-some hours, so it's probably even uh, running into the night in uh, in Australia. If you're listening in other places around the world, um, it may not be morning, but here it's good morning. Uh, so wherever you are, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is The Schmidt Show podcast. I am, in fact, your host, Brad Schmidt, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. Rhetoric, all of that. We're expecting the guru to be joining us today as well. He's uh, He's got some other things going on, some other uh, uh, appointments and things that he's got to deal with, so we're, uh, we're expecting the guru to join us as the show progresses, so uh, looking forward to that as well. For those that don't know the guru, we've decided to give Noah the nickname the guru because he kind of is the guru. He kind of does it all. He he takes care of all of the tech stuff. He makes all of the cool stuff happen. So uh, he's also got a pretty great mind um, for logic and debate and discussion. So we're looking forward to having him be a part of the show. And so as we're waiting for him, I'll, I want to just kick off with the uh, the opening monologue. And while I'm doing this, we're going to see if I can't get the, I just about forgot to get the phone lines up and running. So I got to log into my uh, my phone stuff here. So we'll do that as we're, as we're live here. This is the, this is the cool part of, of doing live podcasting is when you screw stuff up and forget you have to uh, then do it while you're on the fly. So we're getting logged into the phones as we speak. And so th- essentially what we've got going on with the with the Schmidt Show phones is that you can give us a call. You can join the discussion uh, and, and share your thoughts on it. The phone number is 87, or I'm sorry, 866-766-1767. Um, and so, yeah, you can call in. I think I got this right. It's supposed to be working. I guess we'll see in just a little bit. I've, I've dialed into the phone, so hopefully this will be popping up here in just a few moments. Um, and you can, I don't think I got the right number. Let's try this again. I screwed it up. Um, 866-766-1776 is the number for you to call. I've got to dial into a different system because, um, oh, I know I did that wrong. There we go. Um, So anyway, whoops. 
one of the things we're going to do today is we're going to talk a little bit about rhetoric. We've heard a lot recently uh, in the news as we have gone about the last few days. Um, we've heard a lot about toning down the rhetoric. It's time to tone down the rhetoric. It's too much, too much rhetoric, and the rhetoric we do have is, is the tone is too high, and so what we're trying to kind of figure out is, does the rhetoric even really need to be toned down? Because I'm, I'm not entirely certain. That it does. In fact, yeah, the phone isn't working, so I'm not sure what's going on here. I'll have to have the guru figure this out, maybe. Um, I'm sorry. Let me just. I want to. I want to make sure people have an opportunity to be a part of the of the show. But I'm not, so we're gonna move on. Um, anyways, let's get to let's getting let's get to kind of the opening monologue here. Let's let's just start with that. So we've been hearing, like I said, all weekend with the with the shooting uh, in Pittsburgh, with the with this the bomb scare stuff, the alphabet soup of cable news. The talking heads have been saying it's time to. Tone down the rhetoric. Tone down the rhetoric. But is it really? I'm, I'm not convinced it is. I, I think a different solution may be in order. Because dirty politics, mudslinging rhetoric, and yes, even fake news are really nothing new in the world of American politics. Now, they're really nothing new in the world of, of global politics, if we're honest. But speaking specifically of American politics, this is, this is not some new venture into the realm of, of dirty politics. Going back to the founding fathers, the folks that, that put together the political system and the government in this country they were pretty heavily involved in the mudslinging, in the rhetoric, in the, the dirty politics, and like I said, yes, even the fake news. Alexander Hamilton, in fact, made all sorts of terrible claims against Thomas Jefferson while Jefferson was running against Adams in the third presidential election. It was actually the first contested presidential election, but in the third election after, after uh, Washington had been elected twice, Jefferson and Adams are running against each other. And Alexander Hamilton was in league, you could say, with John Adams. Their their political views were, were pretty similar. They were more Federalist-leaning. They were more big government, um, or a, I shouldn't say a big government. They were more central, uh, centralized federal government than what Thomas Jefferson was. So their, their politics were, were fairly 
aligned. However, Hamilton really didn't have a whole lot of interest in seeing Adams elected. He just really didn't like Jefferson, and he wanted to see Thomas Jefferson's career and and campaign undermined because they were longtime political adversaries. Hamilton's attacks on Jefferson, in fact, were so effective that he did end up losing the election. But even more than that, it ended up eliciting a response from none other than the very first first lady, Martha Washington, who at one point called him the, quote, vilest creature or one of the most vilest creatures to ever walk the earth. Four years later, of course, Jefferson is back on the stump campaigning once again, and he hit back at Hamilton um, by hiring an individual named James Callender to go after Adams. And he did this, like I said, because he believed that Adams and Hamilton were in league with each other in, his, in their attacks against Jefferson. Through Callender, Jefferson accused Adams of everything from being a warmonger, making plans to attack France, to being a hermaphrodite. Like, that was actually part of the discussion. In fact, Callender's attacks had gotten so outrageous that he actually spent time in prison for slandering Adams. But it worked, and Jefferson won the election. And Callender, of course, later, because Jefferson kind of tossed him by the wayside, Calendar later went after Jefferson and attacked him for having children with slaves and, and things like that. Turns out those attacks were actually true. Um, now, the other part of this to keep in mind is that this is, this is just one episode in the saga of dirty politics. The list goes on and on. Frank Ben Franklin was famous for using fake names to publish quote-unquote fake news about his opponents. Andrew Jackson was actually accused of cannibalism at one point. John Quincy Adams was accused of being a, a sexual deviant and a pimp. Um, so the, the question then becomes, what makes the rhetoric of today's Facebook politics any worse than anything else we've seen in the past or make it any different? than anything we've seen in the past. And and I would suggest the difference is it's our response. Politics are really no dirtier than anything else we've ever seen in the past. Politics of today, the politics of Facebook, social media, you know, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, the politics of the internet are no different than the politics of the printing press. The difference is our response. We, uh, we apparently no longer have the ability to respond like adults to such things. Now, one could argue that it's, it is the responsibility of the person using the inflammatory rhetoric to be the adult. But the case is, as with most quote-unquote inflammatory rhetoric, that they've already stooped below the level of 
maturity needed for logical political discourse. So, in my opinion, the, 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 the response is what's important. This suggestion that we need to tone down the rhetoric is really nothing more than children on a playground shouting back and forth saying, shut up, no, you 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 shut up. That's what, that's what toning down the rhetoric is. Because all of the people on CNN and MSNBC and ABC News and, and, and CBS News and, and every other, like I said, alphabet soup of cable news, they're all shouting at the right, telling the right that they need to tone down their rhetoric. And everybody on talk radio and Fox News and everybody on the opposite side of the aisle is saying, no, you need to tone down the rhetoric. And we see the shooting of Steve Scalise and, and some of the other members of Congress at the, whatever, the congressional baseball game thing that happened back in, when was that, June when that happened? The, the right was saying, see, the left needs to tone down the rhetoric. See, look at it. This guy was a Bernie Sanders supporter. They need to turn, turn down the rhetoric. It's just getting too much. This is, this is leading people to shoot congressmen. And then some idiot gets, to, gets out and start sending fake pipe bombs all around the country to a bunch of Democrats. And now the Democrats are shouting, ah, see, the Republicans need to tone down the rhetoric. They're trying to get us killed. They're trying to bomb the news stations. And we need to stop talking about fake news and blah, blah, blah. It's, 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 it's literally children on a playground going, shut up. No, you shut up. No, you shut up. No, you shut up. Back and forth. And, and what's happening? What, what is changing? Is the rhetoric any toned down at all? Because it doesn't seem to me that we're seeing any actual rhetoric being toned down. It doesn't seem to me like we're making any progress in the calls to tone down the rhetoric. And I would even argue that we don't need to tone down the rhetoric. I don't think there's any reason to tone down the rhetoric. Because the argument, if you believe that there is a rational, logical need to tone down the rhetoric, then you have to believe that it is the rhetoric that is causing these sorts of outbursts and inappropriate behavior. We are giving madmen a free pass to act like madmen. We are giving murderers an excuse to murder. And instead, what we should be doing is holding, the account, holding accountable the murderers for murdering. When a crazy man shows up at a, congress, at a congressional baseball game practice and starts shooting at congressmen, it's not Bernie Sanders' fault. Bernie Sanders may be an idiot. Bernie Sanders may have 
bad ideologies. Bernie Sanders may have bad politics and he may not understand the basics of economics, but he didn't call. I mean, unless he specifically and personally called for this guy to go out and start shooting congressmen, he's not responsible for this. That's what we've got to keep in mind. And and love Donald Trump or hate Donald Trump, unless he reached out to this idiot who was sending these pipe bombs to congressmen and political officials and newspapers or, or news organizations or whatever, unless Donald Trump specifically called on this guy and said, hey, do me a favor. I'm sick and tired of CNN and fake news, and I'm sick and tired of, of Obama and the Clintons. Go out and send them a few pipe bombs. I mean, unless President Trump did that specifically, he's not responsible for this. Any more than Bernie Sanders is responsible for Steve Scalise getting shot. The, the people who are responsible are the people who committed the act. And we no longer hold people accountable. That's, that's where we're at with all of this. That's, I don't want them to tone down the rhetoric. How about we just start expecting people to act like adults? Regardless of what they see on the news, regardless of what they see on TV, or what they read on the internet, or what they hear in a podcast or a radio show. How about we start expecting people to act like human beings? And when they don't, because inevitably they will not, we punish them. And we punish them severely. The guy who shot up this synagogue... Caught red-handed. I don't think that trial needs to be all that complicated. I think that trial is as simple as, hey, look, here's the guy. We caught him red-handed in the act with multiple eyewitnesses. He's guilty. Time for an execution. This, this, this trial will probably play out for years and months or I'm sorry, months and years, and it will probably take all sorts of resources and expense and cost. And then the guy will likely sit in jail or rot in jail for the rest of his life. Maybe they'll execute him because he's a, he's a, it'll be a federal crime or whatever. I don't know what Pennsylvania's rule on the death penalty is. But how about we just start acting or, or expecting people to be held accountable for their actions? How about we just start expecting people to be responsible and to be able to listen to CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and, and the president and the former president and Senator Billy Bob and Congressman Sally Sue 
and not use their words as an excuse to go out and murder people or threaten people or bomb people or whatever. It seems to me that that's a whole lot more reasonable than accusing President Trump of inciting violence or accusing Bernie Sanders of inciting violence. Because, I mean, I say things all the time on my terrestrial radio show and, and, and sometimes on my podcast that are controversial. I don't think I've ever said anything that would incite somebody to commit violence against another human being. But what's to say somebody didn't listen to me or what's to say some one of these idiots that goes out and does something like this happens to have subscribed to my podcast and they start going through his online presence, his Twitter feed, his phone, his computer, and they find that he was subscribed to The Schmidt Show along with other podcasts. Are we now responsible? Because he was unable to, or she or whoever, was unable to separate reality from from fiction. Are we are we now required to tone down our rhetoric? Because here's here's the other side of this concept of, of toning down the rhetoric, right? Because the continuous calls for toning down the rhetoric is eventually going to lead for a call for a legislative solution, which will result inevitably in a significant curtailing of the right to free speech. Because that's that's where this is going. And and don't kid yourself and do not be naive in thinking that the left does not want to curtail your right to free speech. The radical left in this country would love nothing more than to limit your right to free speech. Look at what's happening with the Antifa and all these these violent protesters at the various rallies against guys like Ben Shapiro and against women like Ali Stuckey and against Matt Walsh and others, David uh, or uh, Stephen Crowder and more. I mean, the, the protests that we're seeing outside of the events that these people show up at, Milo Yiannopoulos, I'm not a big fan of Milo, but the, the, the radical left's effort to shut these people down and 
Trust me, they're not, a use, they're not afraid to, of using violence to do it. What do you think the end goal is in that? Right, the whole punch a Nazi stuff. When in reality, they're not really Nazis. Ben, I always, I have to, I always kind of chuckle at the at the whole uh, Ben Shapiro's a Nazi thing. Ben Shapiro's a Jew, um, and and it always makes me chuckle a little bit when people accuse him of being a Nazi. It, it's 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 borderline. It, it, it just it's unbelievably stupid it's it's borderline insanity and and so these people are calling these are the ones these are the people that are calling for a toning down of the rhetoric and and for those of you who are more right leaning don't fall into this trap that yeah we got to tone down the rhetoric we got to tone down the rhetoric if you want to tone down the rhetoric fine don't be involved in the rhetoric that's how you tone down the rhetoric. But what you don't get to do is tell me to tone down the rhetoric. What you don't get to do is tell Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama or anybody else to tone down their rhetoric. Because the First Amendment enshrined in the Constitution of the United States says I have the right to use whatever rhetoric I deem acceptable. The only rhetoric I can't use is slander or libel. The First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press, or the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So if I want to use my right to free speech to ramp up the rhetoric and say inflammatory things, that is my right. And I I, I very, very, very strongly discourage anyone from jumping on this politically correct bandwagon to tone down the rhetoric. Because what will end up happening is one side will tone down the rhetoric and one side will not. And if the one side that does tone down the rhetoric doesn't like the way the other side has toned down the rhetoric, it will lead to a legislative solution and says, look, we've become better. We don't do these sorts of things. We don't say these sorts of things. And now we must force you by legislation to not say these things anymore either. And I'm not going to get into whose rhetoric is worse and whose is not as bad. It's fairly obvious as you look around the country and you watch the news stories and you, you see the, the discussions being had 
on Alphabet Soup News. It's pretty easy to see that the radical left and their rhetoric has been out of control for a long, long time. And it is almost without fail the radical left that engages in this sort of thing all the time. Like I said, I'm not going to get into the details of all of that. I'm not going to go down the list and, and, and play audio clips or anything like that. But at the same time, you can't deny that the rhetoric from the right has been out of control at times too. But you know what I don't want is the government telling me I can't get involved in that sort of rhetoric if I so choose. I don't want to pretend that I am some morally superior individual who gets to tell the rest of the morally inferior individuals in this country what sorts of things they can or cannot say. Because one day... I will be the quote-unquote morally inferior. If nothing else, I will one day be the demographically inferior individual. And I don't want them to be able to tell me what to say, when to say it, or how to say it. So, as you watch, and, and I, I watched one news station, I don't remember which it was the other day, I, w I was watching a stream of it online and in a matter of I don't know, maybe 15 minutes or so before I started to stab myself in the ears with a ice pick and gouge my own eyes out so I didn't have to put up with the garbage anymore I'll bet you I heard that exact phrase, time to tone down the rhetoric. I bet you I heard that 50 times if I heard it once. The rhetoric is getting dangerous. The rhetoric is getting dangerous. It's time to tone down the rhetoric. These people don't know how to deal with reality, so they end up buying into all of this crazy rhetoric, and they do crazy things. They're, they're, they're blaming the language. They're blaming the words. And, and if I have to continue to explain the danger of blaming speech for people's inappropriate behavior, we've already lost. If we have to continue to point out that it is not the speech that causes the behavior, then we've already lost. Now, I'm not saying that speech is not a powerful tool 
And we certainly saw, you know, during the 40s, the late 30s, early 40s, we certainly saw the power of persuasive speech. Persuasive speech. As Hitler rose to power. There's no question that speech can be a very powerful motivator. And, and effective communication can lead to dangerous and dramatic outcomes. But the problem with curtailing speech and curtailing the right to free speech is that in today's world, when a Hitler shows up again and starts using eloquent speech to convince people to commit genocide and against an entire race, we have the ability to stand up and speak against that individual. And as soon as someone in the government starts saying, you can't say those sorts of things, you can't speak out against that sort of behavior, you're not allowed to speak out against that issue or that topic, that is when the Hitlers rise to power. If I am not allowed to speak out against high taxes, if I am not allowed to speak out against stifling regulations by the government against small business, if there is a protected class of people that I am not allowed to speak against because it's quote-unquote inflammatory rhetoric, that's when you begin to figure out who your overlords are. I don't know who said it or where I saw it. It was maybe some sort of internet meme. But the statement was, if you want to know who rules over you, look around at who you're not allowed to criticize. So think about what's happening in our country right now. And think about who you are not allowed to criticize. I think one of the most glaring evidences that President Trump is not an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing whatever dictator is the very simple fact that he is the one figure in this nation that is criticized more negatively than any other in the public eye. The, the left wants to try to paint Trump as some crazy dictator with this, this overwhelming ability to force us into 
destruction or or whatever he is whatever it is that he is leading us towards if he had so much power in this nation and so much ability to influence what's happening in this nation and around this world why are people still criticizing him why are people why are the alphabet soup news people still allowed to criticize him what it says to me is that he simply does not have as much power as the left would like to give him. Who are you not allowed to criticize from 2008 until 2016? Who did the media fawn over and and fall all over themselves to praise as the greatest of all time. Who is it right now that we are not allowed to criticize? That we are not allowed to speak out against? Because that's, that's really the real question, right? So, and and honestly, I I don't know that I have an answer for that. I don't know that I have an answer for who it is that we're not allowed to criticize right now. It seems like pretty much anybody is fair game. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a positive thing. I think the fact that we are allowed to ramp up the rhetoric as often as we choose is the proof that we're going in the right direction. It's it's the proof that we are exactly where we need to be. So again, when you hear people saying, tone down the rhetoric, tone down the rhetoric, tone down the rhetoric, just know that the direction you are heading is away from liberty and into slavery, or at the very least into submission to the all-powerful, whoever that may be. I think that's a I think that's a world that I don't want to be a part of. And if that means I have to put up with some inflammatory rhetoric, well then so be it. If I have to put up with a little bit of people saying mean things, and social media outbursts by the president 
Now, do I wish President Trump would be a little less petty on social media? Absolutely, of course. I would be I would be thrilled to see President Trump become the statesman of statesmen and see him rise above and and all of that you know every cliche you can think of of him him becoming more presidential more statesmanly and and all that I'd love that but what I what I don't want to see is statesmanship legislated. So the question then becomes, what should our response be to rhetoric? What should our response be to the ramping up of rhetoric? Or at the very least, the the rhetoric not being toned down. I think our response should be much like it is with a bully on the playground. See, this is the problem, and this is maybe another discussion for another show someday, but we have spent the last 10, 12 years maybe more, 15 years, trying to stop bullying. So much so that that I believe we're seeing a rise in suicide among young people because we no longer know how to deal with bullies. Because we tell kids... That bullies shouldn't exist. We shouldn't, there shouldn't be bullies. Everybody should stop bullying. Well, yes, that would be wonderful in a wonderful world. If there were no more bullies and people no, no longer were bullied, that would be great. But the reality is humanity has been bullying each other since the beginning of time. From the moment we figured out how to make your mom jokes... People have been bullying and have been bullied. And sadly, because of human nature, that's never going to go away. So instead of teaching our kids that bullying is this thing that shouldn't exist, we should be telling our kids that sadly bullying does exist. And you need to understand and know how to deal with the bully. The bully that calls you names, the bully that teases you or makes fun of you for your looks or your clothes or whatever, should be ignored. They are seeking attention, and if you don't give them any, the bullying will likely stop. And maybe what needs to happen 
is a plan needs to be concocted for the bully who likes to embarrass people publicly. Maybe what needs to happen is that bully needs to be embarrassed publicly. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth sort of thing. Now, I'm going to say this and I will be accused of inciting violence. But teach our kids that if a bully's picking on you, you know, sometimes a good hard whack to the nose or a good swift punch in the stomach is exactly what that bully needs to be put in his place. And when it happens, instead of the the child that's been bullied for weeks and months and years being punished for violence, the bully should be told simply, you had it coming to you. You deserved it, you stupid little punk. Now knock it off. Get back to class and treat the rest of your classmates with some respect and maybe you won't get your butt kicked again. But no, we've got to sue the, 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 the school and we've got to sue the, the, the kid who has been a victim of being bullied for weeks and months and maybe longer and kick him out of school for being, being violent. All the while, the bully... gets portrayed as the victim. So anyway, that's a rant that I probably shouldn't have gone on. But at this point, where do we stand with rhetoric? Well, maybe what we need to fight the rhetoric is just more rhetoric. If the thing that they are using to discredit you is speech, get better at speaking and discredit them with speech as well. I believe I believe the guru is here. The guru is here. So Noah just walks in. So Noah, I don't know if you've been able to listen. We're just going to throw you right into the into the um I got to turn your mic on. We're just going to throw you right into the fire here. Hey, yeah. Remember that uh, remember that time that I said I was going to uh I'm not hearing you. Yeah. Says guest Mike. I don't. It's not working. Is it not plugged in? Okay, you do studio engineering stuff. Is it? I was gonna say it might not be plugged in. Oh, gotta pick a source. I found the problem. There we go. So hey, remember that time I said I was gonna show up for your episode, and then I didn't show up for your episode. <laughs> well, hey, we got 15 minutes yet. So, um, so I I told everybody I introduced you at the beginning of the of the podcast that. That you, you, I've I've decided to give you the nickname the Guru, okay? Because you are the Guru. You kind of make it all can, happen. Can I make one small tweak to that? Okay. Could I be the half Indian Guru? Ooh, <laughs> you're <laughs> you're only half Indian. Oh, only half. Yeah, right, my mom's yeah. white. Yeah, so. your mom's white. Yeah. So could I be the half Indian Guru? Does that does that mean does that mean you have like half white privilege? Right. Yes. Yeah, and I have fifty percent white privilege, and 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 therefore, this is. There's got to be a lot of self-loathing going on because the white you, half of myself 
is, Absolutely. Is, is totally hated by the Indian half of myself because the minority half of myself understands that the white half of myself was born with such an advantage. Do, do, but doesn't the white half of yourself hate the brown half of oh, yeah, yourself it's totally too? Totally racist. Yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> internal bloodshed goes on every day of my life. <laughs> Uh, so welcome to the show. For those who are <laughs> wondering what that was all about, so Noah Noah is the uh, well Noah is first of all is the host of the Ask Noah Show, which is a fantastic podcast related to technology and specifically to Linux. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, Noah has been slowly converting me to Linux. To, to where I've got my I've so there's some internal conflict some internal racism on my computer <laughs> <laughs> like the the Mac the the Mac half hates the Linux half sure. and, and the Linux half hates the Mac half that's the way it should be but they really kind of secretly like each other because Mac is kind of based on Linux <laughs> exactly. a little bit so they have the same roots right <laughs> so almost like humans do right yeah imagine that so <laughs> so uh, Noah is is uh, he's the host of the Ask Noah show fantastic podcast if you need any tech questions answered you know specifically linux but noah i've learned over the last what six eight months since we've gotten to know each other that you know not only linux but you're actually quite we do it all yeah yeah, quite talented in in just about any area of technology so uh so noah um as we're going to call you from today moving forward the guru for short or the half indian guru um, I just, you don't have the right accent though for the half Indian guru. I can break it out, but can I feel you, like that, that, I feel feel like that, that might be, be inappropriate. <laughs> it might be a step too far. Do you ever make fun of your, your, like your family for All the time? Really? But see that, that's, that's, so that's the thing that people that, uh, are so concerned about racism right. don't understand is that people who actually live in a mixed race family right. make fun of themselves all the time because it's funny. Right. You know, differences <laughs> are funny and they are to be celebrated, not cast aside. And so this idea that we all have to we we all have to treat everybody as exactly the same. Right. We're not all the same. We're all very different and that's fun and enjoyable and something to be celebrated. And so yeah, when you get into that, what you find is we all make fun of each other and it's fun and it's funny and it's all in good taste and it's all in humor. It's not because we're hate-filled bigots it's because we're normal people that we see past the the skin color we see past the race into the human and we're comfortable enough with each other as friends That's way better put to, yeah yeah so and family yeah exactly. so anyway so all of that to i don't know what we were getting at but you um so you are here as the guru you're the guy that helps i'm going to call you producer slash it guy slash business know-it-all that makes this whole podcast thing happen. You've yeah, it hooked, just depends on the hat I'm wearing. That yeah, day. you've hooked me up with with all kinds of people to to make this a reality, and you've put together this incredible studio uh, to make it a possibility possibility as well. So anyway, um, I, I've been talking about rhetoric the 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 discussion of rhetoric we've heard over the over the week. Last week, of course, all throughout the news was the the pipe bombing stuff, and then the shooting in Pennsylvania over the weekend and, and all of this stuff. And, and we hear over and over and over and over again, tone down the rhetoric, tone down the rhetoric, tone down the rhetoric. Mm-hmm. My argument is that we don't need to tone down the rhetoric. The, that, that what we need to do is start holding the people that commit these atrocious acts accountable. 
Right. Like if because if we start blaming the rhetoric, right? If it's Donald Trump's rhetoric that caused this, if it's Bernie Sanders' rhetoric that caused this, if it's you know whoever's rhetoric that caused it, well then mm-hmm. the rhetoric is the cause. The rhetoric is the root. Right. And the evil is ignored. Right. Yeah. It's it, honestly it holds a lot of the same parallels with um with the gun with the gun movement. Right. right. Is it's just we pl- we blame an inanimate object. Right. And, and the other thing is too is one person's rhetoric is another person's honest rants. Right. Like. Right. One of the things that I think a lot of people don't understand about this president is that those of us that support him, those of us who voted for him. We like it when he calls a spade a spade. Right. And that's offensive to a lot of people, and it's uncomfortable for a lot of people because politicians are not to do such things. Right. But those of us who, when he comes out and says, you know, with this migrant caravan is coming a criminal element, the left gasps and they go, oh, right. I can't believe you How just How dare said you? That. Yeah. But those of us who voted for him go, gee, thanks, man. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And we're all right. thinking it. Right. You're just the one that had the, you know, the cojones to say it. Well, and and so I didn't didn't really get into the migrant caravan, but that's a really good point as well. The, there's a lot of discussion and there's a lot of talk about the about the migrant caravan. And the rhetoric of the left is that they're all perfect, wonderful, you know, angels that would never do anything but like you know, Molotov cocktail of yeah, place or right. flip over a car. Yeah, they would never do anything like that. So we we just need to welcome them with open arms. And the rhetoric of the right is that, hey, you know, there might be some bad dudes in there. We should right. probably pay attention to that. And and whether you like it or not, both of them, both of those statements are quote unquote rhetoric that are being used to further a political agenda. And and so what I've said is the argument that I've made is that these these continuous calls to tone down the rhetoric will eventually lead to, if we are not careful, a call for legislation for the for, oh, for the forcible toning down of rhetoric. Absolutely. And I never ever want to get to there because on either side. On either side, right. Yeah. Because I never want to be told that I can't say anything right. or say something that I want to say. And I never want to tell someone else to say something because honestly, I want these the radical crazy nuts to speak. I want them to be I want them to stand in the public square and spew their hatred and their their radical ideologies because when they do that, everybody gets to see them and everybody goes, wow, that guy's nuts. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't want that guy to be the one that's speaking for me, so right. I need to make sure that I'm sharing my views as well because that's the other, what's the, you know, the, the, the cure for bad speech is not, cutting it off the right. cure for bad speech is more good speech more free speech more yeah. free speech yeah. right so anyway that's that's kind of been the 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 um that's kind of been the 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 tone of the show the direction of the of the episode this this week but i did want to talk to you a little bit about have you heard what happened in brazil i with, didn't so this bolin bolin sorrow i can't remember how you pronounce his name bolin bolin uh, Bol- Bolsonaro, I think is how you pronounce his name. Okay. Jair Bolsonaro. He is a, he's a conservative politician in Brazil that just won the election to the presidency of Brazil. Do they have a president or do they have a prime minister? I think he's a president. Okay. I think it's president. Yeah. He's the, yeah, so they have a president. They don't have a prime minister. Well, maybe they have a prime minister too, but they have a, they have a president. So this Bolsonaro was just elected president, fifty six forty four, um, with about ninety five percent of the the ballots in. So it's it's pretty well believed that he's going to be the next president. Sure. 
of of Brazil. The funny thing I find, or the thing that I find somewhat comical, is every single news article mm-hmm. that I found talking about his election, far right politician wins presidency in Brazil. Far right this, far right that, far right this. But then you go down and you listen to read or and, or, or read about him, and I don't know. I, I'll honestly, I, I'll admit, I don't know a whole lot about him, mm-hmm. so I, I can't say specifically but if you read what he says using his own words right his his political beliefs are are really not much more than your standard run of the mill or you're not much more right than your standard run of the mill conservative in the US mm-hmm. and in fact he actually says at one point one of the quotes that he said was that he described his views as um Oh, let's see. It's I'm trying to. I had it here a second ago, um, but he actually addresses that and says essentially that his political views are more aligned with the traditional right wing conservative of the United States. He is he's pro life, anti establishment, pro gun. Um, he's just a he's simply a right-leaning politician i and, suppose for that part of the world though it's extreme well and that was the, that was the thing that i was going to say is the the the, tr- the reality is right wing everywhere else in the world mm-hmm. is moderate here in the u.s right you know th- and it takes it we would be considered like the fact that we don't allow nudity on television in you know on on over-the-air broadcast television right is a extreme right-wing conservative Christian view. Mm-hmm. But most people in the U.S., even even the left in the U.S., look at that and go, yeah, I, I mean, I really don't want my kids turning on SpongeBob yeah. and getting soft, soft corn porn. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we all kind of go, yeah, that's not really something I want. But in other parts of the world, it's just they just don't see nudity the same way right, we do. So, right. so this this I, like I say I'm gonna have to dig into a little bit of the of this guy's history and and what he stands for. Um, in fact, he um, he is he says he's known he's known for his uh, strong opposition to left wing policies. Most notably, he has been a vocal opponent of same sex marriage, abortion, affirmative action, um, immigration particularly from Haiti, Africa, and the Middle East, drug liberalization, land reforms, secularism at a state level, uh, uh, among other things. Those are just your standard conservative views. Right. That That's not a far right wing. They're trying to paint him as some sort of, you know, Hitler-type mm-hmm. figure, you know, some sort of uh, Mussolini-type fascist. Mm-hmm. And in reality, he's just a... You're kind of your average run-of-the-mill conservative. Yeah, and to me, the 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 appropriate place on the political sphere should be just to the left of anarchy. Right. We should have maximum absence of coercion. We should have as much freedom as humanly possible until we start to run into stepping in the rights of someone else. And then once we get to there, then we step a little bit uh, to the left so that we have got a little bit of government oversight to make sure that doesn't happen. And then other than that, it should be kind of a free-for-all. Right, and, and I think... Here's the other thing I think that that ticks people off is that he's advocated for closer relations with the United States. Oh sure. Oh like, yeah. I'm you know, sure. like he he wants especially right now. I bet that's right, not popular. He wants you know better trade agreements and and things like that with the United States, and not only with the United States but also with Israel. He is he's in he he's essentially an American 
running for the president of the of, of Brazil. Sure, sure. So anyway, so all of that to say, as we kind of wrap things up here, uh, you know, no, I know you were busy this morning doing some some other things. Um, I, I just kind of want to get your thoughts on some of the rhetoric stuff because that, to me, is is such a dangerous dangerous trail to go down when we start calling for a continue because what it feels like as i said earlier is what it feels like is it's kids on a playground saying shut up no you shut up no you shut up no you shut up right and it's not really getting anything done i guess the way i see it is i think that traditionally conservatives on the right tend to operate and prefer the daylight we prefer to shine as much light and have as much discussion because i think we tend to excel when any rational human being can see both sides and then see where we come down on it. And I think the left has traditionally kind of operated in the shadows and you've got to remove certain aspects and certain purviews. And, and you know, you've got to look at their issues a very specific way to arrive at the same conclusions that they arrive at. Mm-hmm. And so I think what they're upset about is the fact that right now you've got a president who is not funneling his communication through the media and so that information is not getting sifted and filtered and the language is not mm. being carefully chosen and I think it's very damaging to their message. I mm. think that you've got a president that cares about the economy. People are seeing that they're at 3.7% unemployment and they're looking down and going, life is great. What do you want to go back to? Right. And I think that the progressive left is having a difficult time coming up with a meaningful answer to that question. What do we want to go back to? Because it's going to be very difficult right now to convince Americans they should give up their jobs and go back to worrying about transgender bathrooms. Right. That's a difficult thing to sell. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Very good point. So, all right. Well, with that, and and I know you you didn't get to be a part of it for long, but I'm glad you glad you made yeah, it in. We sorry, got ex- it's, uh, no, I'll tell you off the air, but it's, you don't, it's you don't been an interesting to, morning. You don't need to apologize. I just I'm glad you got to come in and be here for 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 what you did get to be a part of. Um, is there is there anything? Let me let me ask you this. We'll we'll wrap up the Schmidt show with with the the question to the guru. Is there anything that's really just stuck in your craw right now that you got to just get off your chest? I think what's most burning on my mind is um, the amazing election coverage that you and I have coming up. Oh, yes. I, mean, it's I almost so, forgot about this. That is going to be so cool. I, yes. I mean, I've, just, I've been thinking about it nonstop because right. the thing is, I think politics to a lot of people are exhausting. Yes. I've seen that on Facebook. People say, I can't wait till the political season. And if politics are exhausting, I think that it's you're listening to the wrong programs. I yeah. think that if you're listening to The Schmidt Show, I think that if you get involved with us and see our approach to it, and if it's not clear, because sometimes things come off a little more harsher across the internet, I think if you have the opportunity to come to Grand Forks and hang out with us and spend a night and just see that we're normal people right? and we just like to have a good time and we want to have some say and oversight into right. our the way that our lives are run and that's why we're so passionate about politics and yeah. about voting and getting out and voting. And I think that if you can come out and do that in a very human way instead of having to worry about well, these are the right things to say, or these are the right places to go, or, you know, you got screaming people with signs. No, 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 just come out and have a piece of pizza and grab a Coke and, you know, just hang out with us and we'll just chat and talk. So what you're you're referring to is on on election night, you and I are going to be broadcasting the Schmidt Show live from Pub 76, which is a a Mm -hmm. bar and grill kind of place. In in Grand Forks, North Dakota, I don't know what they have for a menu. Uh, you know, I would assume your your standard, you know, wings and pizza and and burgers or something. Maybe I guess I don't, I don't even really know exactly what they have. Mm-hmm. But it's a you know it's kind of a patriotic themed 
pub slash bar and grill kind of place run by a guy named Travis, who's just a great dude. And uh, he is he has agreed to let us set up in there. And we're going to podcast The Schmidt Show covering not just what's happening here for us here locally, mm-hmm. uh, because there's actually some really big races here in- That affect people that nationwide. Affect, that affect people yeah. nationwide. So North Dakota is where we're based in. And of course, our Senate race between Heidi Heitkamp and, and uh, Kevin Kramer is a hugely contested race. It's the- is the talk of the country as far as what will happen with that race. But there's also a couple of measures. We've got a we've got a marijuana measure, a recreational marijuana measure on the ballot. And people go, well, it doesn't matter if it's a state election, it doesn't it shouldn't affect the rest of the country. But because North Dakota is such a red state, mm-hmm. that there are there are a bunch of other states and a bunch of other organizations that are looking at that measure. And how it does. If it passes in North Dakota overwhelmingly, just, Mm -hmm. you know, say for example, if it's, you know, a 70-30, that means there are going to be a bunch of groups that are going to start pushing in other red states, Wyoming, South Dakota, and and places that, that are traditionally, oh, they'll never legalize marijuana there, are going to start pushing in those states as well. However, if it goes the opposite direction and it fails miserably, then a bunch of these groups are going to go, well, maybe we need to start focusing on, you know, other places that are more liberal, Vermont, Connecticut, you know, uh, you know, the upper, you know, echelons. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the more liberal states that don't have legalized medical or uh, recreational marijuana. So that's I'll, a big one around the country as well. The I'll, people I'll are tell you one, that. one other thing too, that, that occurs to me is if it passes in North Dakota, we are a huge agriculture state. Yes. And so I could easily see North Dakota becoming the, the France of the wines, if you will, mm. and ha- North Dakota becomes the place where we <laughs> we know how to grow stuff. Right. So you want us to grow corn? We can grow corn. You want us to grow yep. some re- green stuff you can smoke? Man, right. we can ha- we can make yeah. that out too. It's we not can, a problem. We, we, we can, got this. We can get some. We can get some two hundred bushel an acre corn, and we can make some weed with really, really, exactly, really effective. That, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. I could see this. Be, I could see that becoming a major part of North Dakota's economy and saying this is just something we excel at. We just if you want to go, we could name the place or some yep. goofy things. So that's a place people come to see yeah. where this stuff is grown and I could maybe see something like that taking That's off interesting. Too. I hadn't really thought about it. So we'll be talking about that. Of course, looking at a bunch of the other, you know, races around the country. I've actually got a good friend who's running for Congress in Minnesota and we've mm-hmm. got um, you know, Joe Manchin in Virginia is that race has gotten a lot closer. Claire McCaskill in Missouri um, is a possible potential upset. So Cruz and uh, Cruz and, and O'Rourke in O'Rourke. Texas are yep. there's some there's and, some really big oh, races happening. And did this. you see that? Uh, did you see that? Um, what's his name in New Jersey? Uh, I, I forget. I can't think of the guy's name. The senator. He might actually lose his seat. Oh yes, uh, it's like forty six fifty. It's like forty six fifty something. Yeah, and I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. I know. But it. yeah, he. Um, uh, Menendez. Menendez. Yeah, Menendez. But yeah, there's there's a real chance he loses his seat. Yeah. So and and well, so that's the other thing is is so five thirty eight. Um, for those that don't know, I would assume anybody that's listening to a political podcast know who who five thirty eight is. Five thirty eight is a um, it's a website five thirty eight dot com, and you spell it out f i v e. 38, you know, you actually spell it out, not mm-hmm. the numbers. They have the their forecast for the Senate forecast and, and all this stuff. So it says that the there's a five and six chance that the Republicans will keep control of the Senate, which sounds like a 
pretty overwhelming shot. Mm-hmm. But all it takes for them to maintain control of the Senate is a 51-49. The, the, people are looking at these numbers and they're going, well, there's an 82% chance that the Republicans are going to control the Senate. And they're thinking, oh, that means the Republicans are going to have all 100 seats or, you know, there's some yeah. obnoxious number. The reality is for anything below a 51-49 uh, majority, the numbers drop off quite rapidly. And so there's only a, for example, there's only a 5.4% chance that the Senate will end up 55-45. So right. there's still not going to be a supermajority. And the same is true of the of the House. There's this view that, I'm trying to find the numbers on that one on their website, um, but w- here it is, um, the House forecast. So it says there's a 6 in 7 chance, an 86.7% chance of the Democrats taking control of the House. But when you really break down the numbers, so that number is 218, 218, right? There's 218, 217. There's 435 members. So there is only a 1.8% chance that the Republicans will end up with a 218 to 217 majority. Mm-hmm. And there is only a 1.7% chance that the Democrats will end up with a 218 to 17 majority. So it's much, much closer than people think. There, there's this idea that there's a big blue wave. So the big blue wave, in order for you know the, the House to take over, um, in order to, for the, ho- the House to be taken over the, by the Democrats, they need 23 seats. They've got to win, not, not just, they've got to win all of their current seats right. and pick up 23 more. Mm-hmm. That's a lot harder than people think. I suspect that we are going to not lose but pick up seats in the House and the Senate. And I think it's because exactly what you pointed out. I think people have looked up and went, oh, that's what these people do? Right. For God's sakes, these people aren't qualified to yeah. you know, to manage a popsicle stand, much less a country. <laughs> you know, I just I really think that there's yeah. a lot of people gonna look out and say, Man, these these people are absolutely nuts. Yeah. I, I think we're certainly going to pick up seats in the Senate. I'm guessing three, four. I think it's gonna be a fifty two, fifty three seat majority in the Senate. Um, maybe a fifty four, fifty five seat, but I think that's pretty that's gonna be a little bit tougher. Um and in the House, at the very least um, we will, I think we will lose a few here and there, but I don't think we're going to lose 22 or 23 seats in the house. I think what we might see is there's a few that are going to flip red. Um, I really believe Minnesota CD seven and Minnesota CD eight are both going to flip red. Yeah. I would agree. Both um, and, and I think there's some other, other seats around the country, other house races that are not as well. Uh, publicized and ones because they're not as close to me that I'm not aware of mm-hmm. that are going to flip here and there. So I think we'll we'll probably see the Democrats lose a few and the and the Republicans lose a few for in the end kind of a net zero change if you ask me. Now, like I say, we may lose. I think what is the what is the split right now? I think it's I think it's two thirty something to two hundred ish. I don't like to say I don't know the exact numbers of the breakdown of the house right off. Top of my head, but but that's the kind of stuff you're going to get during that political coverage, right? I mean, we're right. going to have all those yeah, exact right. numbers, and we're going to have them up to the date, as well as interesting commentary debates. I think yep. um, I think you said that uh, we might get an appearance from Dave Hughes. At least yeah, I'm hoping update. hoping Dave will show up. Yep, and uh, of course, I've talked to David Owen, that's the chair of Measure Three, to give us an update on how that's going. They're kind of headquartering down in Fargo, so yep. well, I think you're going to find that the Schmidt Show is 
quickly going to become the de facto standard for politics and political coverage. Yep. If you're looking to get information, particularly right. up to the date stuff that's available at no cost to the consumer, right? Because yep. there's a lot of people out there and they say, well, I've got, you could do CRTV or you could do Fox right. or MSNBC, but all you of pay those, for all that. you got to pay for all that and you have to install their app or whatever. Yep. This is just, you open your web browser up, you show up and we're going to get you that information. Yep. I think that's a really valuable thing and I don't see it being done anywhere else. Right. And the reason we're able to do it is because there's a few folks out there that, that like what we're doing and are beginning to support us. We're up to four or five uh, supporters on Patreon nice. now. It's not a lot, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, but every little bit, yeah. I mean, the phone every, bill comes, every little bit helps. Every couple of dollars uh, helps out. So if you want to do that, go to Patreon. I'm not going to beg for money, but you know how to, people, you're smart. You're listening to a podcast. I mean, let's be honest. You're listening to a podcast. You know how the internet works. You know how to figure out Patreon. I'm not going to dumb it down too much for you. So, um, so yeah, that's that's the that's the the cool thing that we're going to be doing. And I'm hoping to, I've already talked to Congress or uh, currently Congressman, soon to be Senator Kramer's office, and I'm hoping to have him at least do give us a call in. Um, I know he's going to. I'm assuming he's in Bismarck. I think is where he lives his his actual residence so i have a feeling that he'll probably be headquartered out there on election night sure so that's a three or four hour drive for us here so i'm guessing he's not going to show up on in person but kelly armstrong the is running for this house seat that kevin kramer is vacating mm -hmm. i'm hoping to get him to give us a call in that night as well um and i'm working on getting a couple others i i have i uh, this is big fingers crossed mm -hmm. i've got a contact with Ke with ted cruz's campaign oh, that would be so cool so i'm really really hoping i i'm thinking it's about a two percent chance at this point of actually happening we're gonna have to get like some sort of a paddle though that you can be like stop fangirling yeah stop fangirling. <laughs> <laughs> you get yeah i'm a, a huge ted cruz fan ted I, cruz, I really am. i mean yeah. i don't know so i'm hoping to i'm hoping to get um uh, i actually did an interview with ted cruz during the presidential election last year mm -hmm. Or last cycle, and it was it was a lot of fun because I he he he's on the phone and I come on the air, you know the the bumper music plays and all that, and I come on the air and you know I said, my next guest is uh, is whoever I can't remember how I worded it, but he came on and I said, Mr. Cruz, thank you for joining us today. Um, you know the first question was, how was it working with Kelly McGillis and Top Gun? <laughs> And he, he actually, he, he caught it. He's actually, people make fun of Ted Cruz, but he's mm -hmm. actually a very quick wit and he caught it right away. Sure. And he said, well, he said, to be honest, I don't have that. Uh, I don't have the looks for acting and I don't have that skill set. So I think I'll just stick with politics. But he caught the reference right sure. away that it's not Tom Cruise, but Ted Cruz. And right. yeah, so it was, it was, uh, it was quite quite fun he's got a great sense of humor so and actually i ended up meeting him the next day in person he was at a rally here in north dakota he's actually at the republican convention okay met him the next day i walked in the room and i said he said you know hello or whatever and i, I reached out to shake his hand and i said you know it's honored to meet you mr cruz and he immediately remembered to recognize my voice never met him in person but right. he recognized me by my voice and, you know, said, man, it was great being on the radio with you yesterday and blah, blah. He's just a really, really good dude. Even if you dislike his politics, yeah. he's a, he's he's a, a nice really, guy. really nice guy. Yep. So anyway, uh, Noah, thank you for that. And I'm glad you reminded us about the political coverage. Of course, election night, November 6th, yep. Tuesday night. I'm thinking we're, we're going to start probably around 7 or 8. We'll firm okay. up those details and I'll have that. Um, I'll put that out on all of our social media, Twitter, Facebook, all of that kind of stuff. Because at 7 o'clock in North Dakota is only eight 
eight o'clock East Coast. Okay. So some polls are still going to be open at that point. Sure. So if we don't start maybe till eight o'clock here, East Coast time, nine o'clock. Yep. You know, some of the polls will be closing. The numbers will be starting to come in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Our polls our polls close here in North Dakota at 7 o'clock. So within an hour, we'll start to see some of the results kind of starting to trickle in. Right. And we'll actually have something to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll be able to talk a little bit about what's happening in, in some of the other races around. the Because most of the big races are out on the East Coast. Um, right. The, yep. the big yep. house races, the big Senate races. Um, not Man Mansion in Virginia, but uh, who's in Indiana? Um, oh, I can't think of a senator in Indiana is another one that was close, but then it wasn't anymore. Um, and so there's still some watching of that going on. Um, I wish I could remember the guy's name in Indiana. Um, it is Susan Brooks is one of them, Joe Donnelly, Joe Donnelly's seat. Oh, sure. Okay. Joe Donnelly's seat. He's facing a, a challenger uh, from Mike Braun is the Republican. Um, and for a while it was really, really close and it mm -hmm. looked like Donnelly might lose and then it wasn't anymore. And so we'll keep an eye on that one. Of course, that's Eastern time as well. So we'll be paying attention to all of this stuff. And uh, it'll be, of course, like I said, November 6th, election night. Um, and if you, if you're in Grand Forks, if you're in North Dakota, and want to come out and hang out with us, stop in. It'll be at Pub 76, like I said, on, uh, what is that, on Washington Street. Yep. And if you're if you're not in North Dakota and want to join us anyway, there's lots of motels and we have an airport here. And right. I don't know if you actually want to fly into North Dakota for yeah, election know. coverage yeah, or not. I, but, <laughs> in, but, I, but I think there are people around the area that would love yeah. to stop by and hang out with us and, yeah. just, uh, and, just, and just have a good time. And like I say, it's, it's an opportunity – to experience politics in a different way. Yeah, it'll it'll be hopefully a little bit more, a um, little bit more fun, a little bit more laid back. And one thing, look, I, I'm about as conservative as they come. I'm mm -hmm. a, I'm about as 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 right wing as they get. Mm -hmm. But I'm still willing to, you know, use hang a transgender in. bathroom if that's what it takes. Yeah, I'll use a transgender bathroom <laughs> if I have to. I I um no, I I genuinely I genuinely do encourage and and if you want to join in maybe we'll have an extra mic set up and and we'll get some opinions just from the the local the local average joes and their thoughts on on politics as well. So, even if you disagree with us or or me or or both of us or whatever, come on down and and uh, enjoy the evening. Have it like I said, have a coke, have a beer, whatever your, you know, pick your poison. And uh, I'm sure like I said, I'm sure they've got wings and stuff and yeah. pizza. It's a it's a pub. Right. They got to have something. Right. You know? At the very least, they got chicken strips and, and. If you can't find something, you're the good old fashioned American hub. You're not American. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, at the very least, there's going to be chicken strips and frozen pizza. I'm right. sure of it. Exactly. That's like, that's available at just about it's a every. staple. Right. Yep. So anyway, Noah, once again, thank you for, for, uh, for coming out and, uh, and joining us. I have to, uh, I don't know what's going on. How do I turn this one down? Here we go. I got to turn the right. So I got I I had uh, I had about literally about two seconds of audio uh -huh. of a song on my last YouTube video. Okay. And it got copyrighted. Got yeah. oh, we'll have to find some different so, outro music. Yeah. Well, no, it was for a different one. It was for a song. That oh, okay. I, it was the intro music. There was literally like a, a two second clip of it. And I'm like, how did they even figure that out? So I didn't mean to. I promise I didn't mean to infringe on your copyright. So anyway, we will see you. What, next week? I'll be here. Same bad time, same bad channel, all that stuff. And uh, I'm Brad Schmidt.
Have a great week.